I oh my am God. too good for yes. Google Docs. With your, oh, <laughs> my God. Uh, my team uses numbers because we require real spreadsheets. Oh, my God. I have never wanted to punch you so hard than when I saw that <laughs> message. Uh, my team uses a real spreadsheet. How are you it's hipster true. about spreadsheets? Oh, does it? What kind of bullshit is hipster about spreadsheets? I mean, what kind of human being has an opinion about spreadsheets? I have opinions about everything. Have you not met oh me? God. This is Beers with Hallows. Dress, beers, and also boys. Welcome or welcome back to another episode of Beers with Talos. This one is episode 15. Today we're going to talk about interviewing, how to make sure Matt doesn't eat your lunch, or how to get a job in any industry, let alone threat intelligence. We'll talk a bit about DNS Messenger and some of the research that we've done around that, as well as enabling users with security as opposed to restricting them. We're going to touch on Craig's parenting skills and talk about phishing midstream, some of the latest tricks we've seen from some clever phishing campaigns. So let's just go ahead and go around the table like we usually do. And Craig, you are first on the list today. So uh, I made the terrible mistake of bringing my kids along for a trip recently. Um, I've never flown with my kids before, ever. And I've never flown with somebody vomiting before. Um, oh, that's fun, though. <laughs> it was it was an experience. It was like kind of like bringing some sort of weapon through security where you're like wondering if they're going to let you on the plane and if it's going to work out okay. Um, luckily for my kid, she just fell right asleep, but it was pretty stressful. I don't know how many people have to deal with that regularly. You know, it, it really it really couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. She's probably still <laughs> mad at you for feeding her tacos after her surgery. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Yeah, who feeds her kid tacos after they have their tonsils out? Dude, that's like the best part. Krog. She loves tacos. <laughs> and then you were all like, where'd all this vomit and blood come from? That's oh, weird. That was the worst part. So, like, yeah. you get home, right? What? And the kid is. Yes, like, that was the worst part. What did you think he was referring How does this launch a new story? <laughs> this is the same story. This is the same story. So, we get home, and uh, my wife leaves, uh, and we think the kid is fine. So, she goes to a party the next day, you know, and uh, my wife drops her off with me. And I don't, I don't know that she's still sick, and I don't know that she went to a party or anything. All I know is she comes in screaming, like I threw up red, and there's like red stuff everywhere. Apparently, it turns out she had had an icy, and I guess eaten too much icy. But yeah, it was a it was a panic like five ten minutes before I could get a hold of my wife. Wait, you had to call your wife to figure out well, if it was icy or blood? blood? That's ER. If it's if it's like food, yeah. then it's okay. But blood and icy are physically different. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they're both a shade of red. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not. I'm not a. Oh yeah. Joel, I think you'd be a hepatologist, wouldn't you? Hematologist. We, he's not. I, I would just say that he's not a bloodologist, but we do have a bloodologist in the murder phone tree. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> Matt, what's on your mind today? I am coming to you from the land of tack. I have tried to to cut Mitch a break, and I've come to a quiet, quieter location, so he has less noise to deal with. But as I was coming over here, dragging all my stuff over here, we have to talk about Ashley for a moment. Um, oh, oh, we haven't had Ashley on the podcast in a while. We haven't ever. We don't think we've had her on at all because I think we cut her. <laughs> <laughs> Last time she was on the podcast, she wouldn't give the microphone back. Like it was literally gone. <laughs> so I'm walking over, and she 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 has something to say, and I, and we were talking about something real quick. And as we're talking, she's she's putting mayonnaise into this bowl. And then she takes ketchup and she puts it into the bowl and then she mixes. No, like, no. I don't like. Dude, no, I don't like where this is no, going. No, already. no, no. Hold on, what, no. Wait, she mixed mayonnaise and ketchup. And I said to her, I said, 
I said, Ashley, as an adult, you're supposed to become better as a person, not mixing <laughs> mayonnaise, ketchup, and a bowl. Oh, she's making fry sauce. No, that's terrible. And so I'm, I'm, comp- yeah. I'm. You only put mayonnaise on your fries. That's it. You don't need ketchup in there. Yeah, I'm offering her some professional life guidance, right? And then behind me, one of the analysts is like, "Yeah, mayonnaise and ketchup is gross. Mayonnaise and mustard is okay, though." <laughs> A lot. If I had to guess, I would say a lot. That's even worse. You need to name and shame. Who said that? I don't know. It was one of the analysts. I've lost track of them. They're like, they're everywhere now. So I I learned this a while back in, uh, shit, where's the cure from? Uh, Idaho or something? Like someplace up in like Idaho or Montana or something. You're the what? It's it's common practice. (laughs) It's common practice to mix ketchup and mayonnaise and then put in like some kind of spicy stuff like and every restaurant has they call it fry sauce and every restaurant like has their own blend and some of them use like cajun seasoning some of them use like a buffalo kind of like i'm dead serious well come on they need to secede from the union right now (laughs) that's just (laughs) no we invite you to just move along it does sound like something they pull in canada though they'd probably be okay in canada they can join well you know it's canada though yeah. It's Idaho. It's directly I mean, next to it. I'm so. not, I mean, I don't hate Idaho. I'd like to give them a place to land. You know, I don't want to just banish them. Nigel. Oh, uh, yeah. Top of mind. Just so, okay. Me, oh, so what are we going to talk about today? What is the uh, Liverpool? Oh, yeah, probably. Oh. Well, <laughs> is it big? The is Mighty red? Reds are playing the, uh, the scumbags tomorrow morning. 7.30 kickoff for us. Oh, it's the one. It's the it's a big one, this. Yeah, it it's a big one. Is it going to be the same without the square head on the scumbags? Oh, you know what? Probably not. Oh, Mr. Blockhead went to uh, back to the blues, didn't he? Yeah, and he's, yeah. he's done fantastic there, too. Oh, yeah, so well. <laughs> you know, so well. But um, we are, in fact, we're going to be missing Sadio Mane tomorrow because uh, he picked up an injury on international duty. But uh, other than that, we should be at full strength. The uh, scumbags, however, are missing three midfielders, which is good news for us. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're, they're, yeah, the, the Paul Pogba <laughs> is injured, and I think Marwan Fellaini's injured too, and uh, it's one of the other scum. Is I don't Fellaini the weird with the guy with the Q-tip hair? He is indeed yeah, Q-tip right. head. <laughs> yes. What's up? Looks like a giant microphone running around the stage. Best description ever, dude. Because like you just you can picture it in your head. You're like, oh wow, that dude has a big, a big, a big uh, hair. I don't know. He has to run slower because of that hair. It probably does. Like he do you think it's, it's yeah. right, Joel? Speaking of things getting bigger, <laughs> you want to talk about Apple? <laughs> Joel, you're up. Oh, here he is. <laughs> Oh, little buddy. Are we talking about my... Yeah, we are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, somebody write in complaining about Chippa so we can put a stop to this. Just (laughs) There's nothing nothing to complain about. No one... It's funny that no one wrote in either saying, I know what that's from, or complaining. Right. Beers with Talos at Cisco.com. You can put just cut it all out. It's not funny. Uh, can we run a can we run a Twitter? Like, yes, no chipper. Is there like a sign we why could put above you? my head? Uh, why would you want no chipper? Don't be silly. No. 
I don't you can have do. Ted instead. I know. Good. I don't know if you want Chip or Ted. I I, I don't know how to answer that question. Both of them. You may find uh, out. I love both of them. What's on your mind today, Joel? Uh, you know. Besides Apple spreadsheets. Apple spreadsheets are fantastic. Uh, you know, new version of Snort is out. You should go download it and use it because it's better, allegedly. And <laughs> the new version of Clam AV should be coming out here Sounds by like the time this woods. podcast is live. So you should go download that. Oh, wait, we're putting out Clam AV a new version on a Friday. Why are we doing that? Uh, we're not. You know, oh, okay. it'll, it'll go out next week. You have to remember that this podcast takes at least a week to get ready. Why is that? Why does it take a week to get ready? Do you know? God, it seems like anybody would be able to get it done before that. Mitchell, comment. You. I would point you back to how long it took us to count together to give Mitch the latest thing. That's why it's so damn long. You know what? Actually, I think I'm just going to air that in like its regular, like how it happened. Yeah. Right there at that point in the podcast. Hey, Mitchell, wait till we do this live, buddy. Honestly, it would be better than the behind the scenes YouTube video we have. Just that would be that would explain so much more than that behind the scenes video. It would. How we actually get a usable hour out of this, I have no idea. Uh, if I'm looking at the sheet here and it's my turn around table, I guess maybe I should cede my time to Craig because I'm supposed to talk about getting fired. I don't know. <laughs> 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 put that in there. Uh, I think that was probably Matt because it's spelled right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, Good job, Mitchell. Uh, hold on, let me open the HR case. No. Well, that was so. So we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk at. We're gonna talk at some point about about interviewing, and uh, I think oh, that's yeah. topic number one. Let's move on to that. Do you want to do that now? Yeah, let's just go ahead and do that. Because Mitch is one of my. Because I mean, I was just gonna talk about my car, and nobody wants to hear about that kind of shit, oh, right? Nope. No. Uh, speaking of car, I finally almost got that giant nope. scratch in my car fixed. <laughs> nope. Don't care about that either. Let's move on. Every time, how do we do this? Every time. <laughs> Yeah, no, Amazon sells like a a little paint matching pen. We moved on, right? Mitch. Mitch. Like the next topic. Colored there in. needs to be a sound for this or something. Like we came to a decision. <laughs> Craig's just like, I'm still turning to <laughs> 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 I know we all decided we're gonna go forward. I'm turning left. Uh so we did want to talk a little bit about interviewing. Uh we do a lot of interviewing because we are always hiring and our team is, you know, growing at a at a pretty steady rate here. So I did want to talk to you guys a little bit about interviewing and interviewing and really not just this industry, but any of them. Uh, Craig, you had some interesting experiences you wanted to bring up. Yeah, I mean, so to put it in perspective, I mean, I want everyone to understand we probably interview at least 20 or 30 people per position. Uh, And so, you know, obviously that's over a period of weeks and months. And so after doing this for years and years, we have some really interesting tales. Um, My favorite one, let's just start with a Googler. Uh, We've all interviewed a Googler, I think, at some point. Um, (laughs) If you're you're an interviewer... You're Googling during the interview? (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. No idea. Uh, The first time I encountered the Googler was a couple years ago. Uh, And so what happens is, like, I guess people are dumb, and they don't realize how good phone microphones are these days. And so they'll be on the phone, and you'll actually hear a click-a-click-a-click, and there'll be, like, this awkward pause for, like, 45 seconds you you ask them something simple like hey explain to me how dns works and it's like a 40 second pause click 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 and then they just start spouting off this great definition of dns at 90 miles an hour and strangely enough if you google it you can usually go straight to wikipedia and then follow along with their answer <laughs> oddly matches <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
ever it, started so like bad. reading the same passage along yes. with them as they're giving the answer. <laughs> it totally have. That's um, fantastic. I love but, uh, that. Yeah, like I want to take a minute and talk about the Googler. If you don't know a subject, like it's okay to say I don't know. Tell us you do don't know. Like. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But when when you Google it and then read back the answer ninety miles an hour, number one, it's obvious to everyone. Right. There's a big difference between understanding a subject and having read about it for the first time. Right then. Right. One of them, you can answer follow up questions. Yeah, there's a large difference. Yeah. There's a huge delta there. And, and no one, no one goes, hmm, what's DNS? Has to wait several minutes and then has like a four paragraph answer just off the top of their head that they can spit back at 90 miles an hour. That's not how memory works. So don't be the Googler. If you don't know, <laughs> just say it. So. We're all old now, but like, I'm wondering what kind of recommendations. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> I, I wouldn't call you young, Joel. Yeah. God damn it. So I don't know how, what kind of recommendations kids are getting or, or young, you know, college adults are getting in from their advisors or this all just to let you all, this all stemmed from a conversation that Craig and us had on the uh, Spark channel this morning about as he was interviewing a guy who was not going to get get moved forward. Um, was not going to get hired. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was there was ranting, you know, in Craig's direction, mainly because he didn't cut it off earlier. But um, the the thing that the, the thing that the the core problem I think with both the googling piece and with with the issue today with with Craig's candidate is just truthfulness. Like if you write mm-hmm. down on your resume that you have four years of reverse engineering experience then you should know what the intel 32-bit registers are i mean it's something you just have to know and and you should be able to spout them off like your name like it's not not a trick question yeah no it's it's like fundamental knowledge <laughs> and then the same thing with how tcp works how you know if you're if you're interviewing for network positions and um so it's just oh like the finchick the five-way fin shake. The five-way fin shake. We love we that have, one. Yeah, who is the who's best on the five-way fin shake? I don't know. Chip is. <laughs> is that what happened? Let me go and explain is that it. What happened? Chippa took over as you were writing your book, and all of a sudden you had a five-way fin shake in it. Let me tell you, Matthew. I know exactly where you can get a five-way fin shake. <laughs> tell us, Ted. Where, where can we get one? Well, you can get one at Ted's five-way fin shake emporium. This has to stop. <laughs> Does it have one of the arms of the two men? <laughs> Do you have, yeah. So, to, to let the listeners know, there's only two people laughing at this. One is Nigel. Yeah. And everyone else is just patiently waiting for the two of them to get their act together. <laughs> Which could be the alternate title to this podcast. I'm mildly amused at trying to figure out what the hell is going on. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna die. Joel needs minutes. In case there was any doubt, I have absolutely no control over this, and I'm just here to oh, try and god, piece it together. I exert no. So, t- uh, Ted? Ted, is that who, no, is, who, who has the five way fin shake? I think Ted died. Look, I he's can't. Purple. He's actually can't. changing colors. He's coughing so hard. Holy crap, Matt, he is purple. Matt said, make a stop. And I just can't do it anymore. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So one of the other things, one of my other favorite interview tales a couple years ago, uh, I had a guy who thought he put his phone on mute and asked his roommate, I guess. 
That's pretty amazing. Wait, what? So I asked the guy a question, like, what was the difference between, like, a router and a switch? And I think he tried to put his phone on mute, and he turns around, and I, presumably, and goes, hey, what's the difference between a router and a switch? And then you could hear the whole thing, because he didn't actually mute his phone. <laughs> so she said, can I speak to the other guy in the room? Because clearly he knows what he's yeah, talking exactly. Yeah. I was like, hey, can I talk to your roommates? Yeah, is that guy looking for a job? Oh, my God. Like, I don't know what the what the end result they think would happen. It's not like if I if you somehow manage to trick me into hiring you and you don't know what you need to know, it's not like I'm not going to fire you. Right. That's, I mean, that's <laughs> I'm going to find out pretty quickly. Right? No, no, he's in. Yeah. He's in. He tricked us. He's got to stay forever. <laughs> like, like I, don't, I just don't understand what the end point of it. And seriously, if you're if you're interviewing with any in a manager who has any sort of maturity at all and he asks you a question and you're like you know i'm not super familiar with that topic let me give you kind of my thoughts what what i think i know about it but i'm just telling you up front that it's not something i'm super familiar with that scores a, a huge amount of points for me yeah and yep. you know if i ask yep. you i ask you like hey so how good is your c coding and you tell me you're the best You'd better know. The best. You would better know. The best. The best. This was an <laughs> actual answer to us when Matt asked this question one time. You'd better know that I can pull from all of Talos to bring in what we consider a C expert is and then see what you know. <laughs> yes. And I've got 300 people to pull from and one of them is going to know more than you. That, that interview, and correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but that interview was like basically like, you know, what's your... How's your C coding? And the dude answered the best. And you went, wait right there. <laughs> it was literally, yeah, it's true. So I went in, I introduced myself. I'm like, I'm Matt, you know, this is the position we're looking for. So let me set off with, you know, some basic questions. So how, how would you rate your C? And he said, I'm the best. And I literally said, hold on a minute. And I stood up and I walked out. Um, and I think I grabbed Brandon Stoltz, maybe one of, one of the, one of the analysts. And I said, yeah. You know, hey, go in there and see what his house is. And he came out, his his C sucks. And I'm like, I, I got to tell you, I'm shocked. And I walked in, I'm like, well, that's... Did not see that coming. And I walked in, and I was like, well, that's uh, that's the end of the interview. So let me walk you out. And and and, uh, and, and it happens often enough. Like, so we don't, I mean, it doesn't, I, I don't, it doesn't happen so much now, but it happens often enough that, particularly when we were source fire, when you would come in, when you come in for an interview for Talos, it's typically a day-long interview. You're going to interview with a lot of different people. And so we provide lunch. And a measure of your quality as a candidate is whether you eat your lunch or I eat your lunch. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times <laughs> yeah. it's like 10 a.m. And, you know, the second interviewer is out and the both the first interviewers are like, I don't know why this guy's even here. Well, have a nice day, you know, show them out and we'll eat your lunch. <laughs> it's the, can you make it to lunch roll? It's the, yeah, if you make it to lunch, you're doing really we well. Get, we get that all the time, even here. You know, we've had people come onto the team uh, and they'll have something on their resume or, you know, coming for an interview. I mean, and they'll have something on their resume, like DNS expert or TCP expert. And it's just like, you know, if you're coming to Cisco, arguably one of the world's biggest networking companies, and you say that you're a TCP expert, you probably should really be one because I can throw a ball and find a TCP expert in about seven seconds. <laughs> like I've done a huge amount of network analysis and I've looked very deeply into the protocols. I would not, I would not at this company call myself a TCP expert because there's things about sliding windows and, and different like, you know, there's like edge cases in the protocol about how to handle certain yeah. things that 
Or which operating system reassembles it yeah, in which that way. I can't and... just roll off the top of my head. And I know there are people that can here. And so that's just, I would never put myself in a position where I'd be like, I'm an expert. And they'd be like, well, meet Raul. Raul's going to see if you're an expert. First of all, first of all, why would you write the word expert on a resume? It doesn't matter <laughs> no, what yeah, the subject that's... is. Like if you write the word, uh, like I'm a, I'm a marshmallow expert. I'm going to ask you everything there is to know that I know about freaking marshmallows. Dude. Like why would you put that on? Good a point. Weirdly made. Well, that's <laughs> right because the ones the ones that I've seen that say stuff like that, they have the shallowest knowledge. You know, like I'll see people who just list it and and they're kind of middle of the road. But nine times out of ten, if it's like DNS expert, dude doesn't even know what protocol a DNS lookup is on. You know, it's like going all in, right? Like you're like if you write expert <laughs> on the resume, you're like yeah, I'm putting right. my job on this thing. Call my bluff, bitches. And it's not even a fair fight because you don't even have to get by me. I'm just going to go find the guy I know knows it the best out of the entire 300-man research organization in Talos, and you're going to have to figure that out. Yeah, and, you know, it's going to be like that's the dude who just does that every day, all day, and he's done it for 15 years. Do you really think you're going to one-up him? Yeah, come come (laughs) in here and tell me that you know you're an expert at Elasticsearch. Katie Nolan's going to come in there and beat your ass about Elasticsearch. It's it's an unfair fight. There are, there are things. Well, there are things like DNS and TCP/IP stuff. That what's the point of putting an expert on there anyway? I'm not interested in in your super in depth knowledge about any of those things. If you come in and you tell me that you know how it works and you understand those fundamentals, that's what I'm looking for, right? So if you said that you have a knowledge of those and that you understand those, then I'm going to ask you those relevant questions to make sure that you do understand those concepts because that's what's important. I don't need you to be, you know, uh, the, uh, an expert on how to tune a kernel so that you can make something, you know, the stack, the network stack on something look like it's a completely different machine, for example, right? I don't need you to be able to do that and know what you're doing with all that stuff, but I do need you to know the fundamentals of those things. So if you know the fundamentals... Just say that, right? There's no need for the word expert, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a much better way to approach it. And then plus that leaves you open for, hey, you know what? If they do surprise you with a trick question and you've never heard that before, well, then you don't really look like you're wrong. <laughs> right, right. You can just say maybe you haven't, you know, encountered this scenario before and, you know, you've you've amassed this knowledge you know, through through working with it for a number of years or whatever it is, but this is something you've not come across, and that's you know. It'll also help you to have a constructive conversation with your interviewer right. or your interviewee, depending on your perspective, right? Because then you can really sit there and talk about a particular subject, about how you how you approach it, how would you learn it? And if you don't know the answer, what would you go to do to find it? What book would you reference? Would you pick up Stevens? Would you Google it? What's Just you know? Let what? everybody know the answer is always pick up Stevens. Uh, edition one, not edition two. The second edition was awful. So, uh, Nigel or, or, or Joel, do you guys have any uh, fun little interview horror stories? Oh, we got a ton of them over the years, yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. I, it used to be, as well as the luncheon thing, back when we were a much smaller uh, organization, it was it, it was always one of those where it was my job to kick them out. So, if they hadn't done all that well, you see, if you got to me before like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, then uh, you know you weren't getting the job. And you know, we, we had, <laughs> had a few of those. I think the earliest one, see, we used to get people in um, at, what, about 10 o'clock in the morning, and then we'd let them go when we were done with them, basically. So um, usually around 5 o'clock, you know, something like that, 6 o'clock sometimes. Um, 
And I think the earliest one that I got, we had somebody come in at, at uh, like 10 o'clock and I think I got them at 10.30. Wow. They, yeah, they didn't do too well, right? It was basically they, mm. they saw the first person and they came out and went, yeah, no. <laughs> it was that that's, bad. I mean, usually to be to to I think the thing that maybe we've gotten better at and maybe the reason that we haven't done that so much before it is really about the phone interview to to not waste yeah. that person's time and our time. So if we get someone in here who doesn't make it to lunch now, we've failed the phone interview. Like we didn't yeah, catch absolutely. didn't ask the right questions or we didn't, you know, pay attention to what the answers were. Um it's unlikely that someone should be able to get bias on a phone interview uh, to come in and then get cut early. By our staff. We're at the point now as well where on for the vulnerability discovery guys, you know, Eve's guys and stuff, they give them, you know, tasks to do, actual tests. And, and it's, you know, here is, you know, we need you to reverse engineer this piece of, of software that we've just given you, um, you know, and, and it most takes most people probably a good uh, 24 to 48 hours at least to, to get some answers for it, right? Because there are certain questions that you have to answer along the way. Um, and, and doing that really cuts out a lot of candidates uh, when we give them that. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty good test. And, and, but then again, that's come around through many years of, you know, talking to people and, and giving them tests mm-hmm. and, and improving those tests and things like that, you know, getting them to do it before they even uh, get an interview, right? Yeah, that's kind of the order of operations on my team is uh, phone interview, coding test in-person interview right because if there's no reason for you to come in if you can't pass the coding interview but so i it's it's interesting that we bring that up because i've read a lot of pushback recently on a couple different places on the internet about people being very upset that companies ask them to do a coding interview or any type of technical test like that on their own time, meaning like we should pay them to take the interview. And I've read that. Now, this is not just like one dude writing on the internet. I've read this where like several this, times. Where does this entitlement this. come from? Come on. Uh, uh, millennials? God damn it. I was just thinking in my head. First person that says millennials is getting punched. <laughs> yeah. 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 You can't, you can't put that. Like, I, who, I'm trying to get you to pay me forever. Like, not right. pay me for an interview. Yeah. It's not a millennial thing. It's, it's, Nobody, no, no actual human being thinks like that. Right. No actual human, like the people that are thinking of that are just not the kind of people that you ever want to be associated with. Well, how, how bad do you have to be at job interviews before you feel like you need to get, like, before you're wasting enough time that you feel you need to get compensated right. for it? <laughs> that's a lot of job interviews yeah, in there, really. So like a full-time, I'm a full-time job interviewer. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I do. Yeah. I can, I can a professional. a situation where some scummy companies, like, you know, trying to get certain problems solved or something through the interview process. But, I mean, that is so vanishingly small. Like, yeah, that's happened. The stuff that we put out is, like, there's a reason it has been solved 100 times by interview candidates before you. It's just a gateway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a weird interview once. Yeah, I was just thinking about your interview. <laughs> oh, that was a fun one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was actually at a conference, and and these two these two guys came up, and they're like, "Hey, meet me behind the Starbucks at seven o'clock. We heard you're not retarded." And that was literally <laughs> like the beginning of my interview. I, it was weird. It was. That seems like a solid interview right there. I, yeah, I would have yeah, yeah. topped if it ended up at the bar like an hour later. I wouldn't find find that where it ended up. Fangs over by the RSA or or where the center is. uh, We did go to Fangs. Yeah. Yeah. That place is awesome, by the way. 
not sponsored. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we heard you're not stupid. You should come with that's us. So hold on, that that's not what happened. Because let me tell you, let me tell you, <laughs> it was basically what it is. Mm. <laughs> let me tell you how this actually happened. So it was the Cisco party was going on, and uh, me and Craig, and I think Joel were standing like in the corner talking about something, and I had never met Mitch. I don't know, I, Craig. You probably worked with Mitch before this, but kind of Craig comes up and he's just like. I may have made some thoughts known on the blog alias yeah. at one and point. So Mitch comes over and he starts talking to us, and I kind of <laughs> give him the, oh, it's a guy. All right. And so we'll talk to this guy. We'll, and, you know, do soft skills stuff. And so talking to Mitch, and Mitch is like, you know, you know, I'm kind of, you know, looking around for different opportunities, you know, inside of Cisco, trying to find my place and stuff like that. And he wanders off after a little while. And Craig's just kind of sitting there with a drink in his hand. Starts talking about something else, and I like, kick him, and he's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Remember, like three minutes ago, you were telling me how you were looking for a marketing guy." Yeah. Beat, beat. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, should, you should go talk to that Mitch guy. He seemed okay. <laughs> and I think the next night we were at Fangs having our quote unquote interview with Mitch. Uh, that was that was actually probably one of the better interviews. Actually, I, I did meet you guys behind the Starbucks or in the back of the Starbucks or, or wherever it was. And it was weird I don't know who the hell you were meeting meeting with there. I mean, somebody that was vaguely yeah. some kind of Eastern European and seemed kind of, you know, <laughs> is this some kind of test or are they going to kill me behind the Starbucks when this is over? I'm not quite sure yet. No, we hadn't put the murder phone tree together yet. We weren't ready. Ah, thank well, God. Greco didn't have the pig for him, so. Yeah, that was. I have a thing. question for the murder phone tree. I have a question for this. So in a phone tray, there's always a dude at the top that is responsible for dialing the next two. Who's the guy at the so top of the I have a story about tray? this. I have a story about this. And okay. You know what, Here you, we go. You will rapidly understand what the story is. I okay. was, this was, this was when we were in the old building and I kind of just, one of your, one of Joel's folks is standing there and, and I kind of say, oh, hey, how's things going? And Joel just turns to me and goes, she thinks that you're the third scariest person in Dallas. <laughs> and I'm like, third scariest person? And then I'm like, and I turn to her, I'm like, does that mean Nigel and Chris Marshall are the first and second scariest? And she's like, yeah. And one of, I think one of my guys was there. He's like, yeah, that's a pretty good list. And I'm like, so you don't think Wachinski's scary? And just for everybody that doesn't know, <laughs> Wachinski is our boss. And he's like, no, Wachinski's nice. And I'm like, man, are you misreading this situation entirely? <laughs> you know, he would have us kill you, right? <laughs> so my answer is Wachinski would dial the murder phone tree, and we're like the next Yeah, that's there. obviously. Okay. That's because, and Matt, I've heard you explain this a couple of times in person. It's like, what you guys don't realize is that Matt won't kill you himself. He'll tell us to do it. <laughs> he's, he's above such things. The amount of blood on Craig's hands alone. It's staggering. <laughs> but it's his own blood. He's cleaning up after his robot. <laughs> it's mostly from kicking robots, but... <laughs> hey, uh, just to, to keep things moving along here, we had uh, some interesting stuff that we took apart and looked at this week that led to some inter- interesting results. Uh, we saw the resurgence of what we called DNS Messenger, and that led to some some interesting conversations this week, Craig. Yeah, I mean, for those of you who don't remember DNS Messenger, uh, it's something we blogged about, uh, I think, let's see, in March of this year. Uh, and initially, we didn't have the vector, right? We guessed that it was an email, um, and we took the piece of malware apart uh, and told everybody how it worked. Well, so now we've actually seen, effectively, the next revision of this malware. 
uh, and we were able to get a hold of the initial vector this time. It was basically a Word document using, uh, what was it, DDE macros? Yeah, dynamic data exchange to use code execution inside of Word. Uh, now, what was interesting about this is it was spoofing emails from the SEC out to these very specific businesses. So this is really targeted. Uh, so I don't want everybody to freak out about this and think the world is melting. It's definitely not unless you're one of the very targeted companies. Very tightly controlled. I think we saw just a handful of samples. Um, and it was using you know, Word documents with an embedded PowerShell executable that would basically load up the new version of the DNS Messenger malware. Uh, that was particularly weird about this one is that DDE is actually kind of new and weirder about it. When it was reported to Microsoft as a way to execute code within Word, uh, they decided to not fix it and call it a feature. What do you think about that, Nigel? What? What? You didn't see that? We're not going to fix it. We're going to call it a feature and yeah, embrace bro. it. <laughs> I mean, it's a cool feature if you're a malware author. <laughs> I, I... Wow. I fully expect them to change their mind in it shortly. I think they probably will, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the SensePost blog, they don't actually post the actual email, but they state on September 26th, the Microsoft responded, quote, that as suggested, it is a feature and no further action will be taken and will be considered for the next version candidate bug, whatever that means. Oh, okay. I see. It means DNS Messenger Part 3 is probably coming soon. (laughs) (laughs) Good chance. I don't know. Uh, We we have a... few things on well first of all do we have any other research or any other so paul posted some uh some of the c cleaner runtime analysis if you're wondering how c cleaner uh the piece of malware embedded in it was obfuscated you can go read his blog post it is super duper technical and fun you can also take a look at his uh is the hideous ida uh, uh display that he has it's just oh how does he work with that have you still just look scheme? at it look at it yeah it's like maroon on black that's funny because the first time i ever saw that he had posted something into the spark channel and then he's like hey guys if you want to know my settings for ida so you can get the same look let me know <laughs> and everyone was like mm. yeah no it's okay uh, i will tell you that even more than like reactions to the research Twitter hates his Ida Pro setup. <laughs> <laughs> hates his Ida Pro setup. I don't know how you can read it's it. It's the worst. How, how, uh, I know. how old is Paul? I have no idea. Nobody over 30 can read this. Is, uh, he's over 30. Uh, is he? Is he colorblind? Is that what it is? Does he have well, white colorblindness of some kind? I, I I don't see how is this is this like well, the thing where there's a number <laughs> embedded in the colors and like if I were colorblind I yeah. would understand what it was that was going on this item. Yeah, maybe. I, you know. Maybe he's a what are those what are those people called that have like the fourth color cone in their eye and they can see like ten thousand more colors <laughs> than oh, us? Maybe it like looks like some shade of blue. Yeah, cone or whatever. Yeah, entomologists. Uh, what it's, it's the shrimp, isn't it? The little shrimp. Yeah, the mana oh, shrimp or whatever. Just, it's terrible. I just mm. sorry, I was a little bit behind. I just pulled this up. This is right. terrible. So yeah, hey Paul, we know you listen. Your Ida stuff sucks. <laughs> Stop, <laughs> it. Stop that. <laughs> it's like putting he's windows gonna, into high he's contrast have a new mode. Now just to post screenshots so you guys will stop messing with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 
I think I think he probably, <laughs> if he was smart, he would do the opposite. Yeah, I was just going to say I think he probably doesn't actually leave it like that. He just does it for the screenshots <laughs> and just waits to see if anybody says anything. For that. I just do it for the screenshots, Yolo. <laughs> like I'm looking at this, I don't understand like why some of the stuff like in the middle of the of the of the um, machine code is pink, right? <laughs> and the rest of the numbers are baby puke green. He whatever. finds some great stuff, so yeah, you do. You know, whatever works for him. Don't listen to us. Just don't let him design any shirts or anything like that. And I think yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I think we'll be good. <laughs> so, hey, Mitch, there's there's a topic on here that I really want to explore because I don't know I don't know how you do it. Joel has a topic on here called enabling users with security rather than restricting them. And I I want to hear. Yes, Joel tell me. I wanted to talk yeah, about that please one. Do elaborate. Well, that was so that topic was kind of like the second half of what I had posted in the room, but it was kind of it was more about something something that kind of popped in my head as as I was re-listening to uh, the last episode of the podcast, which was kind of like where is the tipping point? I thought this would kind of be a good point of discussion with this group in particular. Is like where is the tipping point in between um, security and uh, preventing your users from actually doing work in the name of security, right? So, um, and I threw out a couple of examples of things that that we have some personal experience with, like you know, changing your password every six months, or uh, using a third-party uh, two-factor auth solution that barely works and it sends notifications to your phone. Just, sometimes. just to pull a random example, so, like, there. and that's kind of like the. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, no, it's just totally random. Um, but it's just kind of like, where where does that line lie? And I and I feel like, and the reason why I kind of wanted to bring it up, especially with Nigel, is that I feel like with Nigel's operations team, like they have a really firm grasp on the, the good balance in between what is secure and what is hindering you doing work in the name of security. And I just thought that would be a decent topic because it kind of dovetailed a on the point of, of last week's podcast. But I just felt like we kind of, we, we hit it and we glossed right over it. And I just like, man, we totally skipped out on like a whole 20 minute conversation. Yeah, I think we talked, we talked briefly about like, about like the Matland idea, right? Where it was like yeah, yeah, yeah. restrictive and, and like the, if, if, if failure was truly not an option, there's, there's no way, then what kind of steps would you have to take to, to be completely maniacally locked down? So to give you, I mean, like kind of a small example is I used to work for some government agencies and it was kind of like, um, you know, uh, hey, I want to install this thing or, hey, I want to test out this this security product, whatever the security product is. And it has the potential, you know, I want to let's use Snort as an example. Um, I want to test out Snort because I think it does a better, it, it could potentially do a better job as an IDS than the IDS that we current, the incumbent IDS that we're currently using on the network. Um, can I test out Snort? No. Well, well, why? Uh, because you can't install that on a machine. Why? Because it's not approved. Okay, but this is like a lab, right? I want to test it in a lab. No, you can't because you it's, it's And that's like, at what point do does does work stop at the point of securing things, right? Like that's kind of the point. I think if you, if you're doing that and you're in a lab situation, you're saying no, you can't install that because it's not approved, then you're never going to make any kind of progress. Period, right? Because you always have to approve something and go through all the steps, which if you've ever done any government works, you know, that's going to take you at least six months and probably a lot longer. Um, and then you can start using something. Well, if you're doing that, you're not, you're not keeping up with things. 
right? The, the security industry, more than anything else, moves at a blisteringly fast pace. Um, and, and if you're not able to, you know, to turn things around very quickly in a matter of days sometimes, right, then, then you're not keeping up, keeping pace with, uh, with where things are going on. Um, but I think that the, the, and the problem that most people see with or they're, they're looking at with security is that it's there's never seems to be a good mesh between your your business use and the security people right and it's, i think it's a problem because you have a separate security team usually right and that's what they're focused on is the security of all these things um and and then obviously they want to make sure that things are you know, I'm not going to leak wherever possible that we're not going to get um, more malware running around the network all the time, stealing credentials, all that kind of good stuff, right? And so they're going to take all the measures they possibly can to make sure that those things don't happen. And there are there are some things that you can do which really are an impediment to, you know, the smooth flow of operations moving forward. And you, and you've got to strike that, that correct balance. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to embed your security people in your operations team and, you know, with your network folks and with your system administrators and stuff like that so that they get a good idea of how things, you know, kind of work and what security measures are possible, what security measures might be a little bit on the overkill side, um, you know, and also give, give them a good idea of, of where security measures actually needed where they didn't realize it right so it's all a question of balance it's like you know everything else right what's what's the most important thing think about it right if i'm if i'm an isp i'm not going to stick an ips on on my largest pipes am i right it doesn't make any sense why would i ever want to block any traffic that's just silly right i'm an isp my my business is moving that those packets around i don't care what it is i just need it to move right I guess the typical quandary here is you have product teams and network teams who are trying to enable new services. We have the advent of quote digital business trying to make information available everywhere and ubiquitous across devices and all that. And you have a security team in the traditional view that's always stepping in saying, Nope, we can't do that. Nope. We can't do that. Nope. We can't do that. It's a risk. It's a risk. So where, where does that balance lie? You can't just let everybody bring in every little device they want and throw information on it or plug in any IoT device they want into the corporate network. Come on, but, job security, bro. <laughs> but where does, that, where does that lie? Where's the balance? I think there's a case there, right? The, the, whole, the whole bring your own uh, device thing, you know, has been going on for a, a while now. And, and I, I've always been of the opinion that, listen, if, if you want to... Um, have your people kind of available all the time and you can call them on a phone, cell phone or whatever and get hold of them and do whatever you need them to be constantly in contact and getting their emails and stuff on, on cell phones, then give them a cell phone, right? You make that decision so that you can make sure that what you're doing is, right, here's the cell phone that's in use. This is the one that we allow. We can make sure that we have the correct... Uh, security posture on all those cell phones don't don't just you know you're not saying hey come on to work but you've got to supply your own cell phone your own personal one and we want to put you know our stuff on that phone let's not do that right just leave those alone and just tell people listen this is your place of work if you come in the office that's fine you know you can bring your own phone in or whatever but don't expect it to be able to connect to anything internal right 
done. This, if if you're if if you're uh, you know if I need you to be on a phone or whatever for work purposes, here's the phone. Here's here's the one that you're going to use, and this one will be able to connect to all the things. Right? And and just be done with it. Stop trying to. It's a silver bullet thing keeps cropping up all the time, right? It's like, hey, you know, we're going to make sure that this solution works for all the things. I'm not anti-secure. I'm not even, uh, you know, anti-two-factor auth. I think two-factor auth is is good. I just think, like, there are certain two-factor authentication mechanisms that are absolutely horrendous. And there's ones that are very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you and, pick something uh, that's already intrusive, don't pick the one that's asinine. Like, and, uh, yeah, I mean, if it's yeah. intrusive, <laughs> correct. You know, make sure it works hundred percent of the time. But uh, it's you know, it, when something doesn't work, but you're forcing it on a person or you're forcing it in the, into a mechanism, like that's you're basically saying, okay, you can't you can't do your work because we now have the security control that's in place if it works. And so that just, it prevents, and that's what I'm kind of saying. That's like the tipping point for me where like it prevents work in, in the name of security. And that's where like you've, that's where you've fallen off the rail. I mean, there are some simple things too. And, and, and people, you, you've always got to remember that, uh, you know, whatever you do, you know, that human element is always going to crop, you know, crop up all the time. Right. And, and you're going to end up with, with situations where, well, the one that I couldn't believe the other week was was some contractor actually put some, you know, confidential documents onto a USB drive to take them home, put them on their own personal PC and to, to use them there, to work on them there. No, no, absolutely. There's so many things wrong with that. It, you know, I, I can't believe they, they actually did it. Just Just thinking about that for a second, you know. They, they were in a place where you shouldn't have even been able to get it onto a USB drive. Yeah, never mind bring the USB drive in the building. Correct. Never mind walk in with the USB drive, right? That kind of well, stuff. Well, and, and to play devil's advocate, Joel, you were talking about finding that balance. And, and Nigel, you mentioned you can't just let everybody bring their own device and do everything they want. But we see that happening all the time, yeah. even at the highest levels of security. Yeah, that, I mean, last week norm. we heard about John Kelly's cell phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, using a personal phone, and it was owned for perhaps months, according to the reports that we were reading, before he finally took it to the IT team and said, hey, this isn't acting right. What's going on? And come to find out his, his personal phone had been so, owned for so some time. So here's the thing that I want to know, particularly about the John Kelly story, is that, and I don't know if any of you guys caught, uh, caught this, but like there, there, during all of the headlines of that story coming out, there was one picture that they kept floating around is him holding an iPhone. So... My question is, and, I'm, and yeah, you can call me an Apple apologist, but my question is, Apple apologist. is thank you, is if, uh, if that is his actual phone that was compromised, my question is, did a quote-unquote government agency jailbreak that phone in order to secure it and inadvertently you know, caused a, a larger problem by the phone being compromised, or oh, was that just, well, uh, just uh, the reference photo, right? Joel is an Apple apologist. <clears throat> Yeah. No, my my, my totally so my question is I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying the question needs to be asked. <laughs> Did the government yes. break Apple's security? Because clearly Apple's security could have been broken. So that's obviously sure. to ask. Sure. I'm asking if it's a stock photo or if someone jailbroke that phone in order to make it more secure cool. and actually did the opposite. Do you understand what I'm saying? Want me to Photoshop in an Android phone? Will that help? It's important to note that the phone in question is his personal phone, not his government-issued phone. 
I'm not sure if the government, the phone in the pictures, right. you know, if the government is issuing iPhones to employees right. or whatever. I mean, that's just a, yeah, that's a photo they had of him with a phone. It goes great on top of the story. Yeah, it was his personal one that they were talking about that was that was compromised. But, you know, I mean, it's still a valid question, right? You know, do you, because I've seen it with how do you secure, you know, iPhones and stuff? Well, do you jailbreak them or do you trust Apple? Right? If you jailbreak them, you could be leading yourself into all kinds of other problems that you didn't have previously, right? Thinking that you need to jailbreak it and then secure it, you know, come on. So to, to change gears just a little bit, did you guys see the... Uh the recent little uh, Google speaker that was malfunctioning, and I sure did. <laughs> but it was a, it was a beta version. It wasn't a preview version, though, right? It doesn't come out till next week. Uh, yeah, I think it was a review version for a reporter, if I remember correctly. It's the little. Have you seen the little thing? It's like a, it looks like a giant button. <laughs> it's made to compete with like the Amazon stuff, so you can ask Alexa or whatever to play music. It's like the Google version. Google Google brought this thing out and uh, they gave it to a few people to review before it goes on sale next week. And they found one of the reviews that that this thing listens to absolutely everything, everything that's being said in the room, all the noises, all the stuff, and reports back obviously into Google because that's the way all Google stuff works. So it was basically a bug so, instead of triggering on like the keyword or whatever. Yeah. It was triggering on everything and uploading thousands of waves all the time, effectively bugging their house. I got to tell you, so there's different kinds of bugs, right? And so a lot of times when you put a product out, it's, you know, you have no idea if it has a bug. But I feel like if you would put out a bunch of these things and all of a sudden all of them are sending back all the data something about your traffic would have been off. Like, it should have been like... <laughs> Who's monitoring bit. the bandwidth graph <laughs> on this? <laughs> you're saying the keyword a lot. That's amazing. It's really been using that product. This guy's our top beta tester. We should get him an extra. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they're saying that they'll, they'll, they'll have it fixed before it goes on sale. But, you know, that's one of those things... Well, I certainly hope so. You <laughs> <laughs> sounded like an 80-year-old woman, Joel. Well, I certainly hope so. <laughs> I certainly hope they'll fix that. Well, Mildred got one, and it's That's not, not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> what? No, but seriously, let's let's talk about these devices though for a second, right? Like, because it's kind of a cool idea, right? You tell it when you want to add something to your grocery list or play music for your kids or whatever, and your kids can ask it to play videos and potentially control the TV and home automation. It's a neat idea. So you have one, is what you're saying. Well, I have one, but I, I, I got <laughs> and put it in the kids' playroom. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, because that's better. You want it listening to your kids. Hey, can we talk about your parenting for a moment? Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Let's... This is a risen cyber device. I'll give it to my kids. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> they just use it to play. They just use it to play music from Amazon. Oh, here's a taco, bleeding mouth girl. You're just not a great. Yeah. No wonder the robot bit you. Right. Think about it though, because if somebody's trying to to target Craig, what they're going to get instead is a bunch of data that is just going to muddy up their stream to no end. They'll be like, I don't know why, but he has watched it's raining tacos 17 times since last Tuesday. <laughs> Sure likes Katy Perry. Weird. I mean, that's all they use it for. Basically, you have to have a code word with the pizza shop in you know in your neighborhood, Craig, so that they they don't keep ordering pizzas all the time from that that device. Oh my God! We need to teach his children how to do this. (laughs) I do that all the time. I go over to my friend's house that lives right down the street, and as soon as I walk in, I'll be like, Alexa, order me some Tide. 
<laughs> and uh, they'll be like, what kind of Tide? I'm like, it's eh, number one. Tide. kind. Big box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do it every time. I walk in their house. Well, remember, there was that commercial once where something like that happened and it ordered uh, whatever the <laughs> item was for like everybody across the U.S. Oh, yeah. Cause then it wasn't like a, it was on a commercial or something. Yeah. Like, Alexa, order me a TV or some yeah. shit like that. And then it cued the... Oh, we should probably stop saying Alexa on a podcast. Alexa, order me a TV. <laughs> uh, so now I can't listen to this on my yeah. Alexa. No, you I can't. can't listen to Alexa, Alexa, we're going to interrupt it. Alexa, subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> There's Mitch, the marketing guy. He yeah, gets it. What's up? Alexa, send yeah, beers to Talos. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we go. <laughs> send beers to Talos, the beers of Talos. That's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Good one, good one, oh. Hey, let me tell. Hey, screw these guys. Hey, audience, well, listen. Yeah, we saw right. some really neat spam this week. Um, that we, we did need to be aware of. And uh, in looking at it, it looks like a couple of of key small companies had been compromised, and. This is the first, I think this is the first phishing scheme where I'm like, yep, that would have got me. Uh, having, if I hadn't seen this example, that would have got me. And what they had essentially done is they had broken into contractors. Uh, like one example was a, um, a court stenography uh, firm that would uh, do record, court recordings, court authorized recordings for um, meetings between lawyers, uh, de- de- disposition, dispositions, uh, depositions, depositions, Dep- depositions. got there. I got there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're with you, buddy. And, uh, yeah. You'll clean that up, right, Mitch? Sure. Clean it up in post. Yeah, we'll get it in post. And so, but what, what it was is the, they would break into these, these firms, these small firms that would be communicating with their target firm. And then it would be email, 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 email. And then they would insert the malicious software or in the malicious documents, in this case, in the middle of the email stream. Oh. And so it would be the middle of a completely normal business relationship email mm. stream, and then coming back would just be, please see attached. Interesting. Jenny, and it would be the right Genius. name for the thing. Genius. It was, I mean, I'd have clicked it. Absolutely would have clicked it, 100%. You know, if it, we're, if it was, we're not telling you how to do things, but that was pretty good. Yeah. Damn, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but so this came, this, the, this like led to my, I think I put a tweet out a couple you know, four or five days ago on this, but basically it was like, you know, we should just give up on email because user education isn't, isn't clearly not work. Work. They're not going to learn. And it's, you know, it's, I don't know how you protect end users from this kind of outside of sandboxing mm. those documents, like, like, like we do in, in our, in our products. I don't know how you protect customers at this level. Like we've trained them, you know, if you get like a weird looking scam, it's a scam. And, 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 I feel like a lot of the problems that we're experiencing this year should be, if we were, if we were less myopic should tell us that we're doing better globally. If the, an actor wants to affect a large portion of the party, they went after supply chain this year. They didn't have, you know, some other mechanism. So our general defenses have been upped enough that we're forcing them into it. Our user education, to be fair, has worked. We have taught, if you get an unsolicited email, you should probably check to verify but these aren't unsolicited emails, right. right? So the actors are advancing here, and, and it's just I'm seeing more examples this year. I feel like of higher level stuff um, than we had seen in previous years, where where that technique is kind of filtering down into mid level players. Is that because we're forcing them to get better at doing it? 
might, we might be forcing them to innovate. We perhaps. could be. Yeah, we might be. We're pissing them off. What's up, Joel? Yeah. Good job. Good job. Good job. I like it. <laughs> I just want to let you know I caught it. No, I do think so. I think that is, I think, I think we don't give, it can be very frustrating for, um, for this, in, this industry where it, the stories that make it are this company got popped, this company got popped, this company got popped, this company got popped. But we should also turn around and look at the number of attacks that we do block. Um, that that whatever your security vendor is, it will publish. You know, we publish, we block this many, and we are raising the bar. Um, and I'm not talking just Cisco. I'm like globally as a security community, as as a security threat surface, we are getting better. Um, it's just that surface is so huge in those places that aren't keeping up with everybody else. They're going to stand out sharply in relief to the attackers, and so they will go there, or they will come up with clever things to get get past our new defenses. Well, in the example that you named, they're simply leveraging the trust of an existing conversation, like inserting a message into the middle of a stream. You know, they're, they're doing better at leveraging trust than we are at teaching people what, you know, trust sec is, is really all about. Yeah. And, and I think that trust thing, I mean, that's the link between these inline email attacks and the supply chain stuff. We see all of it is abusing trust. Um, and it's before they were they they've been content to to break the technological barriers, and now they're sort of extending the social engineering metaphor into this trust environment and driving through that trust relationship rather than being able to beat you directly. So in a lot of cases, I think what what we're showing is for these organizations that are affected by this or are targeted by this, it's a good sign. You've put up enough of a defense that you're forcing those actors if they're going to get what they need to try some much more clever techniques. You're, you are raising the bar for them. And, and that's in a world where we're not getting a lot of good news security wise, it's something we should recognize that we're, that we are doing better. And on that uplifting and encouraging note, I think we should start to, I was just taking a moment to reflect. <laughs> oh, dear. Just bask in the glow of, of that conversation for a minute. I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed that, uh, that, that Theodore didn't come back around, Joel. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if you want that to happen. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I know. So we, as always, typically go around the table and, and get some closing thoughts and parting shots from everybody. We'll go in the same order that we did last time. You know what? You know what? Let's get crazy, guys. Oh. Let's go backward. Mi- oh, mixing it up. Joel. Parting shot, closing thought. What do you got? Huh. <laughs> uh, don't make your interview candidates do shots of tequila. Offer them. Yeah. Don't make them. That's rude. We're not we're not heathens. Oh yeah, I always offer. You know, you gotta offer. Be respectful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, actually, I want to see a video of you offering an inter- uh, an interviewee uh, a shot of tequila, just so they can try and like work through whether or not this is a trap in their head. Like, I want to <laughs> see how that goes. So the solid, the solid hires, pick that sucker up and chug it. <laughs> Which is weird because I remember at one point we had an interview process where we had the uh, we laid out a capacitor, a big capacitor. And two other things. I don't remember what the other two things were, but by far the most dangerous thing on the table was the capacitor. And the question was just, which of these were you the most? And I just have, like, taking this, the correct candidate grabs it and just, like, jams the capacitor against their arms. 
that's a high that'd be higher in a heartbeat so nigel you're up next parting shot closing thought well closing thoughts are uh the reds are going to be victorious and glorious in the morning otherwise i'm going to be in such a bad mood next week someone is probably going to die um and it's probably going to be craig <laughs> you should have heard my brother going off about liverpool oh, yeah. yesterday he's already in a bad mood i think Oh, yeah, he's not. He's not happy. Well, anyway, that's you, you know that's that's going to be occupying my mind until the kickoff tomorrow morning. I, I won't even say what he called the uh, midfield efforts you guys have been mounting because I just have to edit it back out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you are up next with your parting shots. I think I'm going to need your your help, Mitch, to kind of clarify this for me. But I want to give a shout out to the professional stalker we have working the at Cisco account that is contacting random people, asking them if they've listened to the. Here's what Talos podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do have that. They 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 did. Wait, they I'm put sorry. out a great story what? on on the Beers with Talos podcast. Uh, if you saw that on the the Cisco newsroom platform, but I think one of the things they do is they just identify uh, whatever they call an influencer within a, a key space. So I guess they just reached out to some security podcaster influencers, or maybe just security influencers in general, and just send them a quick mention, like, "Hey, have you seen this article about?" Yeah, they do that. I don't know how many of those they sent out. I have a question. Is a security influencer the same as a thought leader? No, I don't think it is. And I th- no, because an influencer is determined by metrics. Mm. Well, and but I mean, I think the influencer fact is determined mostly by how many followers you have on Twitter. And is it a positive influencer or a negative influencer? Well, Craig's on the list, so right? I think it right? could go either way. As he does, and actually, Paul has a. Uh, they they tweeted Paul before as well before they figured out that he worked here. Oh yeah, I remember that. He has a ton of Twitter followers. He does. It he must does be. His, it must be. Dude, you should follow him. It's all those people who are trying to get hold of his Ida config. You know, for those colors. <laughs> Dude, that color scheme. <laughs> trying to get that color config. Maroon on black. It's so awesome. Ah. <laughs> yeah, it is. With pink. <laughs> Craig. Take us home. Uh, so I'd just like to thank everyone for putting up with another episode. If you guys would like to heckle us, feel free to reach out to our beers with Talos at Cisco.com. Uh, we'll be coming to Mini Mini a Security Conference in Asia this fall. And so if you'd like to meet us or come uh, give us your CV to maybe work with Talos, uh, give us an email. Check us out. Thanks. That email is beerswithtalos at Cisco.com. You can also reach us pretty easily on Twitter at Talos Security. Hashtag BWT is always a good thing to include there, of course. Uh, those conferences, we will be at RuxCon in Melbourne. We'll also be at Code Blue and PaxEc coming up in Tokyo, as well as here on this side of the planet at Cisco Live Cancun. Hope to see a lot of folks there. Remember, wherever you're listening to the podcast, it's always helpful to get a review and definitely helpful if you subscribe, whether that's on iTunes, on Stitcher, or or both of the people that listen on Google Play. Thanks again for stopping by. Hopefully you had a great time. And we will see you again here next time on the Beers of Talos podcast. Have a great week and cheers. Cheers.